begin Holy Week with this uh, celebration of Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday that we mark the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem to the adulation and um, expectation of the crowds riding on a, a donkey to fulfill the prophecy that the Son of David would enter the city of Jerusalem to kind of reinstate uh, the kingdom of Israel, the anointed one, the Christ, would come in this way. And many people accepted him and were excited. And within a week, um, just a few days, he's that same expected Messiah is arrested in secret, um, is held under a, a sham trial in the dead of night, and um, all sorts of false testimony is witnessed against him. And finally, he's betrayed by even his friends, abandoned, denied, uh, whipped and scourged, spat upon and crucified and buried in a tomb. You can see how quickly things change um, and how the crowds are this sort of amorphous voice that in one moment is saying, Hosanna, son of David, and the the next moment is saying, crucify him, crucify him. Um, In fact, the passion narrative, you feel that, that crowd, that corporateness of the sin, of deicide, of killing God, and how we all did it together. There's a great scene in um, A Hidden Life where this painter is painting the church and talking to Franz Jägerstatter, uh, the man who the film is about, and talking about how his job in painting these uh, scenes of saints and angels on the ceiling of the church is to is to let the people in the pews look up and dream and fantasize that if they had been there in the time of Christ, they wouldn't have done what everybody else did. He says we, we create admirers, not followers. Um, because even his closest friends denied and betrayed him. Um, only a few were at the cross with Jesus, but they could do nothing to stop or defend him. Um, there is a corporateness, a collectiveness to our culpability for Jesus' uh, crucifixion. And yet what also is highlighted in the Passion Narrative is the highly personal nature of it. That it's not just, oh, all of human beings are sin- sinners and we all just have to bear this brunt together. That the war or the drama that's going on that is the cause of all the sin and the suffering in the world is in the heart of every human being. And there are just these few encounters in the Passion Narrative that show us that. Like, um, I think the most intimate part of the Passion Narrative in some ways is Jesus' face-to-face encounter with Judas after he kisses him and says, Friend, do what you have come to do. Just put yourself in the the face of of Judas looking at the face of Christ. How close. And and that word, friend, how he uh, addresses him. Jesus knows what he's doing, but he still considers him a friend. And still loves him. Um, but there's something going on in Judas's heart that just cannot let go of, of this plan. He can't, he can't stop himself. He's already too far gone. Peter, the same way, uh, who's so confident that I'll never deny you. Even if I have to die, I'll go with you. And, and Jesus, uh, very kindly and compassionately, but sorrowfully says, Look, before the cock crows, before it's morning, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. Pontius Pilate is another very personal encounter where Pilate's amazed. He's like, I have all this power over you. You, Aren't you going to like grovel at my feet and beg me for mercy? 
And Jesus just doesn't say anything, but, but looks at him in the eye, and, and Pilate is like scared. His wife is telling him, don't, don't have anything to do with this guy. He's, he's a righteous man. That This face-to-face encounter with the suffering Christ, um, all of us have to deal with it somehow. Um, because what's at stake and what's being won for us in Christ's passion uh, is the union of wills, of God's will with our will, that was what made Eden paradise and what will make heaven heaven is that we will be back in communion with God, um, the marriage of God and man that we see in Jesus, both God and man, perfectly played out, the obedience to God's will, the complete self-offering to the Father. Uh, That's what's being won for us, but we see in the Passion what it costs. There was a a story I read yesterday, um, a short story by J.F. Powers about a, a Franciscan friar who's elderly, and he has this kind of companion who's a, the, the main character is a priest, and his companion, who is also old but not as old, uh, who kind of takes care of him. He's uh, a Franciscan brother. And it's kind of at the end of his life, and he is looking back on his life with some regret and realizes that, um, that the ways that he had hoped to become holy, especially through poverty, chastity, and obedience, he really hadn't changed that much. And he wondered how much um, these spiritual practices and evangelical councils were not simply just habits that he'd been conditioned to accept. You know, things like poverty. Um, he, he hardly lived up to St. Francis's ideal of begging for everything. Um, he lived a very comfortable life in the friary, in the monastery. He didn't have to worry about too much. Um, obedience had become sort of a, a habit for him, too. It wasn't that hard and he was able to mostly do what he liked to do. He asked to be able to teach geometry because that was his favorite subject. And, the, and his superior said, yeah, that's fine. So it didn't cost him that much. And even chastity in his old age it was a battle, he said, that was won long ago. And now it was not even something he had to worry about very much. And as he was coming to the end of his life, he's, he's starting to lose his uh, ability to walk. He's in a wheelchair. He's confined to his room. Uh, and he's started, starting now not being able to see. He, all he has to do is look out the window, and he, he's starting to like, not be able to see, and things are scaring him, and he feels his body failing, his, his mortality in a very acute way. And here is this faithful friend who he's despised and kind of been annoyed by so often, but he's the only faithful person in his life that continues to visit him. And as he's laying in bed um, close to death, this is what's narrated, um, in the moment that he, he looks out the window and he starts to be able to see again, almost miraculously, the, the snowflakes falling down. And it says, With some wonderful clarity, he saw what he, had, what he had made of his life. He saw himself tied down, caged, stunted in his apostolate, seeking the crumbs, the little pleasures, neglecting the source, always knowing death changes nothing, only immortalizes, and still ever lukewarm. In trivial, trivial attachments... In love of things was death, no matter the appearance of life. In the highest attachment only, no matter the appearance of death, was life. He had always known this truth, but now he was feeling it. Say that again. In trivial attachments, in love of things, was death, no matter the appearance of life. In the highest attachment only, no matter the appearance of death, was life. That's the paradox of the cross, is that 
only in doing God's will is their life. It was always that way. And God's will is that we have the fullness of life. I came, he said, so that you might have life and have it to the full. And our problem is that we don't attach ourselves fully to him. We, we have this love of things, love of self, love of ego, the trivial attachments, all the many things that we are attached to that we are not willing yet to let go of so we can attach ourselves to the highest good. That's why it looks like suffering, why it looks like crucifixion to us, um, to join our wills to his to finally live again. Um, And what it will look like for us to live into eternal life is to have shed every piece of us and laid it in a tomb so that we could receive it back again, transfigured and resurrected. And this is made up of tiny moments. All all of our lives, this battle is being fought in our heart. That Jesus is saying, friend, come what you've do what you've come to do, or he's saying you would have no power over me if it weren't uh, given to you by my Father above. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. All of these conversations that he has, um, this deep knowledge he has of his friends, he has of us, and he knows the war that's being fought and um, how hard it is for us to to take up our cross and to follow him. And I'll end with this um, quote, at length with uh, that a friend shared with me recently about Cardinal Francis Xavier um, Wynne Van Tuan, who died in uh, 2002, but was in the 70s uh, imprisoned by the communists. <clears throat> he was a, card- a cardinal from Vietnam, and he was imprisoned by the communists for many years and held in solitary confinement for several years, and uh, wrote in his reflections uh, about that time when he was uh, in his late 40s. That's when he was, when he was imprisoned. He said, all prisoners, including myself, constantly wait to be let go. I I decided then and there that my captivity would not be merely a time of resignation, but a turning point in my life. I decided I would not wait. I would live the present moment and fill it with love. For if I wait, the things I wait for will never happen. The only thing that I can be sure of is that I'm going to die. No, I will not spend time waiting. I will live the present moment and fill it with love. A straight line consists of millions of little points. Likewise, a lifetime consists of millions of seconds and minutes joined together. If every single point along the line is rightly set, the line will be straight. If every minute of a life is good, that life will be holy. Alone in my prison cell, I continued to be tormented by the fact that I was 48 years old in the prime of my life, that I had worked for eight years as a bishop and gained so much pastoral experience, and there I was isolated, inactive, and far from my people. One night, from the depths of my heart, I could hear a voice advising me. Why torment yourself? You must discern between God and the works of God. Everything you have done and desire to continue to do, pastoral visits, training seminarians, sisters and members of religious orders, building schools, evangelizing non-Christians, all of that is excellent work, the work of God, but it is not God. If God wants you to give it all up and put the work into his hands, do it and trust him. God will do the work infinitely better than you. He will entrust the work of others to others who are more able than you. You have only to choose God and not the works of God. This light totally changed my way of thinking. When the communists put me in the hold of the boat, the Haiphong, along with 1,500 other prisoners, and moved us to the north, I said to myself, here is my cathedral. Here are the people God has given me to care for. Here is my mission to ensure the presence of God among these, my despairing, miserable brothers. 
It is God's will that I am here. I accept his will. And from that minute onwards, a new peace filled my heart and stayed with me for 13 years. A new peace filled my heart and stayed with me for 13 years. Everything in our person, I feel, resists the cross. It's the instinct of self-preservation. And it's so easy for us to join the crowds at the foot of the cross saying, oh, if you're the son of God, come down from there. Save yourself. We think, like, if, if God really loves you, what's that, what that's going to look like is that you don't have to carry your cross. You don't have to die. You don't have to suffer. It's difficult, in other words, for us to see that, that new peace that's on the other side of embrace of God's will, whatever that be, if you're on a, a boat going off to solitary confinement, whether you're uh, living a, a life of uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience, and a, trying every day to live more in conformity to God's will, or we're simply living a life out in the world, whatever God has given us, and in this moment, it's very challenging to accept it um, as God's will, to surrender to it so that we can get to that peace that's on the other side, that new peace um, that is not simply the absence of war or strife or suffering, but the peace that comes from that union of divine and human wills that we only find in the cross.